Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The Square Ball Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 184 of the Square Ball Podcast with Levi Solicitors. 10% off your legal fees. When you go through the square ball and 20% off for key workers during the lockdown, even though that's getting relaxed now, you can still take advantage of that offer. LeviSolicitors.co.uk forward slash the square ball. I'm Dan Moylan. With me remotely is Michael Normanson. Hello. As is Moscow White's Daniel Chapman. Hello. A couple of weeks out and Father's Day is coming up in the UK. We've got plenty of cool merchandise on sale. So if you don't want to get down something that's got a gambling firm splashed across your chest, you could maybe get something that has a Spanish swear word instead because we've got all the Leeds Carajo stuff in our merch store. Along with a new uh, bunch of stuff, there's the Bielsa mugs that sold out within a week, but don't fear, we're getting more of those. They're going to be back in stock in the next week or so around Monday the 8th. So you can get dad one of those. Or if you are a dad and you want to give those unimaginative little bastards a nudge in the right direction, head to the squareball.net, pick up a Leeds Street Fighter mug because we've got a bunch of different characters on the second batch there, including Mateus Click. And we made these because he asked us to. And he's cool, so buy one. And there are coasters on there too. The squareball.net. Finally, we've got a date, boys. Put it in the diary. It's all very exciting. We can go choosing dresses and things. Uh, anyway, uh, Saturday the 20th of June is when football returns as it stands. Never thought it'd happen, to be honest. There have been points in this where I thought this was never going to return this season. I'd pretty much ruled it out. So having a date on it makes it slightly terrifying again, doesn't it? Provisional. Provisional date. Still lots to go through, lots to organise. They haven't even decided where Leeds are playing yet. So it does feel like there is still some, those minor details, things like when the um, the championship playoff final will be, which it sounds like they're basically waiting for Sky to tell them when they can fit it into their busy schedules. But yeah, closer closer than it was, assuming like half of QPR's squad didn't all hit the beaches this weekend and come back full of the COVID. We might be in with a chance. Well, let's pick apart then the details from the EFL announcement that's been made in the last couple of days. One of those things that you touched on there, Moscow, about where Leeds are playing, uh, it's dependent on clubs receiving clearance from their local authorities in order to stage matches at their home grounds. And there was talk, one of the clubs that was mooted about having games moved was, of course, Leeds United, because, well, we're Leeds United, aren't we? So how would we feel about games being played on neutral grounds? Seems unfair. It's fine if everyone's doing it. Don't get me wrong, when it was when that was the proposed method in the Premier League and everyone was going to be playing neutral grounds, that was fine. But yeah, I don't know. It does seem a little bit unfair and it seems like they are just doing it because they can't be asked dealing with this more complicated problem. It is bollocks. Yes, people shouldn't go and congregate outside football matches during a national health crisis like the coronavirus, but equally stop them going to beaches move the beaches if Leeds United games have to move somewhere else move all the beaches somewhere so that people can't get to them move them inland yeah exactly make them Tamworth make them um, less appealing so that nobody will want to go it removes as well I've never understood the logic yes maybe after Leeds win promotion to the Premier League there will be a temptation for people to to go into the city centre or whatever and gather and celebrate but that'll happen wherever the game gets played. You could play in Helsinki and people will still go running up and down Park Row after it's finished. But during the game, I can think of nowhere worse to be than Lowfields Road, where you can't see what's happening inside the ground. There's only going to be a handful of people will turn up anyway, and you know you're going to get a, a load of hassle. It's not in anybody's interest. If you want to experience 
Leeds United gain promotion and it's going to happen behind closed doors, the best way to do it is like if it was an away game and you couldn't get a ticket. You watch it on the TV and then you celebrate afterwards. And I don't see enough Leeds fans choosing to go and stare at some concrete and some cream cladding um, outside a football ground for it to be so much of a problem that we have to move it halfway across the country and go and, I don't know, is there a football stadium at Barnard Castle that we can go and use or something? Leave us alone. Go and worry about proper things and whether football fans can behave. I do think that that has a tremendous ability to come back and bite you on the arse, Moscow, but uh, fingers crossed. But I, I do lean towards that opinion that, come on, give us a little bit of credit. I know we're football fans and we've always been demonised traditionally, but piss off, eh? How about that? How about you piss off? If it happens, come down on them. You know, exactly the same enforcement that we saw on um, the beaches and in the parks and every area of outstanding natural beauty where I'm sure absolutely every single person got shook down by the police and fined for, for going there when they were told not to do the same. But after it happens, I don't see any reason to be moving football matches to different parts of the country. And, I mean, they're doing this with Liverpool and doing this with Leeds is the, is the talk. It's not like those two clubs do not have big fan bases outside their home cities. Oh, well, well, we'll move the Leeds games to London because there'll be very, very few Leeds fans there. Mm, no, you'll just have the London Whites turning up outside or more accurately, you'll have them staying at home and watching it on TV so they actually get to see what happens um, without a load of hassle. Knowing the EFL, you've just given me an idea there. Yes, they'll move the Leeds Fulham fixture to, oh, where should we play it? Should we say London, Craven Cottage? W- would that work? I mean, I God, don't. anyway, we could use the Dominic Cummins defence anyway. That Our instinct told us we had to go down to Lowfields Road and sing and dance and drink alcohol and get naked or whatever form it takes. Just won me £200 as Dominic Cummins today by not being sacked. Did you see I put that bet on? <laughs> no. £100 on him not to be sacked at the start of all this. I was like, they won't sack him. They are a set of absolute shameless bastards. There's no way he's getting sacked. So there you go. That's my uh, my £200 return from 100 My only bets on Paddy Power were Dominic Cummings not to be sacked leads to not be promoted. <laughs> I'm glad you didn't put them on as a double at least. Should have, God, that'd have been tremendous odds actually. I'd have got them about 20 to 1 on that or something. The other detail from the EFL statement second one to pick out is that the playoff final date will be on or around the 30th of July and once they've consulted with their masters at Sky Sports as you said there Moscow so that's a Thursday which ties us into the exact time frame that we thought in terms of playing Saturday midweek Saturday midweek and so on and so forth and kicking off in about another three weeks time how do we feel about a playoff final on a on a Thursday I mean at least the disappointment won't be so massive will it there's no hotels to book. Normally you have all that faff around with playoffs, don't you? There's no scramble for tickets that you normally get. So it's going to be strange just having to switch on your telly to watch Leeds get beaten in a playoff final. Are you assuming we're getting as far as the final? Is that not tempting fate? I think we'll go one better than last year, yeah. That'll be it. We'll, we'll actually get to the final this time and not be allowed to go. That's how it works, isn't it? We might, In fact, just to spite me, we might actually win a final if I'm not there. I'm sure there's some sort of twisty logic you could take out of whatever the outcome is. Because it does feel like the universe is in a way cocking a bit of a snoot to us that we could go up and we can't enjoy it. But, you know, like we've said, greater good and all that. The third and final point that I picked out of this EFL statement was the use of five substitutes. They're looking at that now. Do you think that puts us at a slight disadvantage given how extremely fit our side is and how we overrun teams? I think as in the Premier League, it gives an advantage to clubs with bigger squads, doesn't it? So given Bielsa seems relatively happy with to use all of our players, including the youngsters and throw them in when necessary I think I don't think it's a disadvantage to us at all I think we can throw people on and if you can throw on a newly fit Jean-Kevin Augustin and Jamie Shackleton who's been doing his lockdown 5Ks in about 6 minutes if you can put both of them on in with 5 minutes to go surely that's a good thing Is that on a bike or on his feet? <laughs> it was on his feet it wasn't actually that time but it was ludicrously fast I remember seeing a, a screenshot of his, his Strava run or whatever and it was it was obscenely quick when has Marcelo Bielsa ever just chucked somebody on with five minutes to go apart from Izzy Brown's fantastic contribution at the end of the the playoff semi-final? It, it doesn't really fit with his style. There is evidence from the Bundesliga restart that there's a lot of players getting a lot of kind of minor muscle injuries that they, they weren't expecting. And also evidence that home advantage just completely doesn't matter. All those um, teams at the bottom of the, the Premier League who were 
wittering on about not being able to use their home stadiums. Apparently, it's not making the blindest bit of difference anyway. But the um, the injuries thing is interesting. Apparently, Karen Brady has been in and got some answers about minimum squad size. And apparently, if you've got 15 fit players in your squad in the Premier League, the game will go ahead. I don't know if that if that means that the inverse is true, that if you've only got 14, the game can be called off. But it's interesting that, that if you only had 15 fit players, you wouldn't even have enough players to make five substitutions. So they are being quite harsh on, you know, just because you can't fill a bench doesn't mean that the game's not going to get played. Interesting that Karen Brady is the one asking about what it would take to cancel games, though, given this has been her desire right from the off of this. Like the first the first case in Wuhan was flagged up and I think she was pretty much out there going, I think we should cancel relegation, don't you, everyone? Yeah, it's coming over. It's going to be over here in the next couple of months and we're better off just cancelling relegation now, I think. But Bielsa is just Bielsa. I think he'll, he won't veer from the the tactics that he's been using for years and years. It'll take actual physical leg-breaking injuries for any of his starting 11 to allow themselves to be dragged off the pitch. Serious question though, do you think the reason why the football authorities have centralised the testing rather than leaving it to the individual clubs is so that individual clubs are entirely honest about what's happening within their own training grounds? Do you think they don't trust them? I, I wouldn't have trusted them. They are allowing them to take their own tests in some instances and then send them to a centralised testing facility. I mean, it could be the, the distrust thing. I think there's also the scientific reason that different laboratories return different tests. So you do need a, a level of standardisation across it, even uh, if you're not taking into account nefarious practices. But I, you know, I wouldn't trust Karen Brady or anybody at West Ham, apart from Robert Snodgrass with a test tube. And we've seen 10 positive tests in the latest round of, of testing with um, Preston, Middlesbrough, Fulham and Cardiff all affected. Strange to see an increase on week two after the testing has started, isn't it? After week one was, what was it, two tests or whatever, two returned positive. This was a little reminder that things can still go wrong here, wasn't it? The fact that I think the first week was six, then it was two and you thought, oh, well, it's done. No one's got it anymore. It's disappeared from football clubs. And then this little bounce, you think, at what point does 10 become... 50 and then is that a problem is that is there an er- a level they get to where they think actually this isn't actually viable and it's not all from one club either is it this time it seems they seem to be spread about the place which suggests that the virus itself could be spread about the place a bit as well when it comes to next week so we'll see it suggests that there's a, a little way to go before they can start the full group training again if there's still clubs several clubs with this in the ranks but they're starting they're cracking on anyway and that's the the problem with everything at the moment, I think there's there's quite a lot of delusion, not just in football, but football is at the at the sharp end of things where we're on Saturday when the government announcement that basically said sport behind closed doors can continue also announced that there were there were two thousand new infections on Saturday and two hundred deaths added to the overall total, which are figures that are a lot better than they were a few weeks ago, but are also not as good as places like Germany, when they started getting teams into training and on the path to um, the successful Bundesliga restart that we've seen there. And there does seem to have been that acceleration over the last couple of weeks of, uh, you know, everybody's a bit bored and this is getting quite difficult to manage. So, ah, fuck it, carry on. Do you want to play football? Yeah. Do you want to go out, go to school, crack on? Yeah, it's still pretty bad, but... Yeah, Nando's, right. well, Premier League football, exactly. Horse racing, so I think, any good? I, I think it's a combination of. I mean, the ultra cynical view is that it's 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 putting out good news and treats that that things can can start happening again, which um, was always the the case with with football. It's veered from one evil footballers won't give all their wages to the NHS to two. Hey, don't you want Premier League football back? How dare they not play? To the less cynical but still pretty bad view, where it's just like. Uh, fuck it, we'll be fine. We'll just carry on. It's all right. It's all right. Could be better, but let's let's just go on and see what happens. Which it all feels quite risky to me. In general, I'm not really talking. There's a risk people will roll their eyes and think this is a political point. It's not really. It's more just a, it's a it's a nervousness where I'm not entirely confident about going outside with quite the freedom and abandon that I'm being told I should feel in general. And then also that idea that football 
can be played without any repercussions that, for example, positive tests won't suddenly start increasing because the situation wasn't ready for contact training to start again or the games can be played. But if things start to get worse in the wider society because lockdown is eased too soon, then games have to stop again. And then that raises uh, the spectre from a Leeds United point of view that the teams at the bottom of the Premier League aren't letting go of that idea that if games do get stopped before they're finished, that they won't accept points per game relegation. So my giddiness about, yeah, I'm glad Leeds United are going to be playing again, but I still haven't really shifted from the early weeks when we were talking about it on this podcast, where I think, you know, the whole reason we're doing this is just so that the Premier League gets its money from Sky. That's it. There isn't a better argument for playing football at the moment. And that's why we had to set these dates for the end of July and all this stuff. And I don't think that's a good enough reason to kind of ignore other considerations or at least to to give them less weight than I think they're due. In other words, we're fucked. I think there's certainly a feeling that the Premier League has basically gone, oh, well, we, everyone else is getting restarted. We have to restart regardless. It doesn't actually matter what whether or not we're meeting the correct criteria for the level, overall level of infection and stuff that other people have. We just really need to get this going again for to cement our position as the best league in the world or whatever it claims to be. And to get all that, get hold of that lovely TV money, it just needs to get going now. Otherwise, we're going to be knackered. It's not even about getting the money from broadcasters. It's about not giving it back. Even if they do play all the games that are left to the end of the season, they still have to give back something like 170 million, which is better than the, from their point of view, than the, the 300 million pounds that they were being ordered to to hand back to the broadcasters if they didn't play any more games. But it is still the driving force is if we want to keep that money we have to play and I'm not convinced that's a good enough reason for playing if other factors come into account. That said I am looking forward to it coming back. Yeah undoubtedly I mean I I tuned into the the German games and I look forward to seeing Burnley versus Watford is obviously I can't wait to put that down on my calendar and then to to see the Leeds players in training this week was a joy and like a little hint of the normality that I think we would all crave the world from three months ago that um, I think we all miss and wish was still with us along with the hundreds of thousands of people who've died were still with us it's nice to have seen those reminders and it will be nice for that to happen you just hope it doesn't end up coming back as something worse and if it does it will be because the reasons driving it have been financial rather than sensible if we look at the points per game model, then we should see in the next seven days or thereabouts that it should be codified into the Football League rules. They should make a, finally make a decision after meetings about meetings about meetings. June the 8th is the date that they seem to be having what you would assume to be their final decision on this because if the football is to restart 12 days after that, then they have to kind of get the house in order pretty sharpish and it seems like that's going to be the date for the final vote. Interesting to see that um, Phil Hay ran a poll on his Twitter account about whether Leeds fans would prefer to play the last nine games or take points per game as a, as a means to promotion. 18,500 votes, and it was overwhelmingly basically 70-30 in favour of playing the last nine games, which goes to show that at least we, can, we want to do it properly, even though the option of doing it easier is on the table and might yet still come to pass. We're idiots, but we're right. It's the right decision. We should try and play them. I think there's a, an element of... Entertainment creeps into it as well. Nobody got into football because they wanted to just see a, a league table printed. The teleprinter, as exciting and as nostalgic as it was, and the, the classified results, if there was not an actual game behind that noise on uh, on grandstand on a Saturday afternoon where you, you know that hearing that represents the things that some people have done on a field somewhere else, if you knew it was just purely coming off of a calculation it's not the game is it so even if the risk strategy of bombing out of the automatic promotions and then losing at whatever stage of the the playoffs is our destiny is increased by actually playing it's the whole point of football as a game isn't it of course we want it to come back and of course we want to watch Leeds United play football matches to win promotion it's the sort of hollow victory when I was at school, Scum fans used to get when they won a, another league title. So they're not, none of them had ever went to any games. They just were Scum fans because they were winning games and they had a shirt. Didn't even watch them on TV all the time. I always used to make the point that I'd been to more Scum games than they had just from watching Leeds play them. 
but they were like, it's like, yeah, fair enough. You can celebrate if you want, but you're basically celebrating nothing. Just know that. And the point here is surely one about closure, isn't it? That for all the points per game is the easier choice. It would always leave us with that question mark. And that even if we do, as you just said, then contrive to blow it again, at least we will know that we didn't deserve it, even if it psychologically breaks us all. It's the right way to do things. Because we are, as you've said many times, Moscow, we're here to watch football. And let's face it, despite the you know soul-crushing anxiety attached to it, it's still the best football that most of us have probably ever seen. And I will say as well, in previous seasons, I would have been fully in favour of just going points per game. Even in seasons when we had, when we had nothing to play for, I would have been more in favour of going points per game because I couldn't be asked watching Steve Evans play out a season for us and I couldn't be asked watching Paul Heckingbottom do it. I would have wanted those seasons to be over. The fact that I don't want this one to be over shows to me that it's good and that it's actually worth something. So let's just try and get through it if we can. Just to zero in on a couple of the objectors, QPR have mentioned that they're not happy and, and they've acted with, with what sounds like a degree of surprise about this return of football on, on the 20th of June. And it strikes me as a little bit disingenuous what they've been saying because they've had meetings about meetings about meetings. They've had lots of conference calls with the EFL and they've always known that July the 31st was the cutoff date. So they must have had a, a ballpark idea of when the game was going to come back in order to fit in nine matches plus the playoffs. You know, when did they expect it was going to happen? Yeah, I must admit, I was confused by this. They were like, whoa, whoa, we can't that soon, right? Did, did they assume we were going to play five games in a week at some point to, so they could have a full pre-season in this? You know, at some point, you're going to have to play a lot of games in a not very long period of time. So surely it makes sense to get that going a little bit sooner, like as soon as possible, rather than playing through into September, which was never put through as an option. So, I mean, it's a strange one with QPR because they're kind of nowhere in the league either. Like, they, it does seem to be an objection almost out of nowhere because they're almost certainly not going to get in the playoffs or go down. It just seems odd that they are not prepared for this. They do have that option. It's the one that um, Massimo Cellino used to use to threaten and say, right, you guys can restart and we just won't play. And if they're not ready and they're not happy, fine. Don't bother. Be all right. I think don't think we'll miss them. The, the away kits are sometimes quite nice, the Dennis the Menace ones. But, um, and, you know, the, the memory of Roy Vegley scoring at Elland Road and everybody clapping in, but we could just stick that on a video and watch that instead. I'm not bothered about whether QPR play another football match ever again, especially if they're planning to move from Loftus Road, which is a, a characterful stadium that should be kept, but maybe somebody else can play there. I mean, and also, tying there shouldn't be a problem. They've got Jack Clark and his, his Red Bull Reservoir that he keeps at all times, so it'll be fine. You can just start dishing those out to the guys. They'll be absolutely fine. And what of Charlton as well? Their players, uh, well, several of them might not be available for the running. They've expressed, uh, should we say, reluctance to play for Lee Bowyer. He's been telling TalkSport. This is more of a Michael Owen at Newcastle situation of not wanting to play, isn't it? Because basically their best player, Lyle Taylor, is out of contract and wants a decent move at the end of this. So doesn't want to get injured playing out some games at the end of the season. Which is a bit ridiculous in a way, because if the season hadn't been curtailed, he would have had to play these games and presumably wouldn't have minded playing them. So I don't know why it's all of a sudden a problem for him now. Well, um, I don't know how I feel about this, because, yeah, obviously he was contracted to play for the the rest of the season, but nobody was saying that the end of the season was going to be the schedule that QPR are, are objecting to. There, there has been a, a change there that does increase the risk of injury, I think. And, and looking at his career, he's 30 and, yeah, he's he's only really cracked on. He had 20 games at Sheffield United, but then went on loan to Partick Thistle, then at Scunthorpe and back to Partick Thistle again on loan. And it's only really the last few years at Wimbledon and then two seasons at Charlton that he's done anything and Bowyer's stance is very different to QPR's and probably quite instructive where he's basically saying Lyle Taylor got us promoted last season played a lot of games this year I can see it's important to him crack on somebody else will have to play and isn't making a massive deal of it and I kind of feel like if Lee Bowyer's able to kind of as his manager take that that attitude, um, and he, he said as well that he'd, he'd spotted this as a problem from way back as soon as the season got, got paused. He knows him better than any of us, so I, I kind of feel like if, if the manager is willing to, to let it go, it's not really my place to go in there and, and tell him off. I sort of feel as well that like Bowie is desperate to this season not to be, he doesn't want to give any excuse for them to cancel this season because they're currently in the relegation places. So I think he's like, no, no, we'll just play. We'll just play. We don't want to... This thing's happening, but it's not a problem. Absolutely fine. We're just going to keep going anyway. 
think as well, I think the other thing in his defence is, as in Taylor's defence, is that Charlton are and have been for ages now a complete shit show. So it's a bit like when players wanted out of Leeds, there was always a bit of your thought, yeah, I'd probably want out as well if I had a choice. Yeah, I would probably would be fuming if he was a Leeds player and Leeds were in that situation where it's the last few games to, to try and save us from relegation and he's just gone, actually, you know what, nah. But I also, I don't know if this is like trying too hard to be sympathetic or empathetic, but I don't imagine this has been an easy decision. For a, it's, it's different from Charlie Taylor was a 21-year-old and from all the, the talk from the way he handled it at the time, it sounds like he had absolutely terrible advice from his agents and was just making a mess of things. This is a 30-year-old bloke who's got one final contract ahead of him, which it could even be that this is lined up. And it's also in a, a climate where those kind of contracts are not going to be available for many players at what he was at a League One level before this season and probably would be returned there with Charlton at the end of, of this one. There are going to be so many players at that level out of contract, unable to get new clubs and unable to get the wages they were getting before. The equation has changed for a lot of people in that situation. And I think this is less of a kind of, fuck it, I'm chasing the money than a, oh, fuck, what am I going to do if this doesn't work out? He's a bastard though, right? Less of a bastard than Michael Owen. On a par with Charlie Taylor. I'm going to go with that. You can still take advantage of the 20% key worker discount with our podcast partners, Levi Solicitors, 10% off for everybody else who goes through the square ball. The same thanks to everybody who's keeping things going for us during COVID lockdown. Legal matters, if you have them uh, on your agenda, get in touch with Levi's, get on these discounts, personal law, business law as well. They cover loads and loads of areas. Full information on the website, 10% square ball discount, 20% for a key worker. Levisolicitors.co.uk forward slash the square ball. Who's this French child we've been linked with? Yerno. I'm going Spanish there, aren't I? <laughs> Yerno Belde. Don't know if he's any good. He's 17 as a centre-back. Bound to be good, surely. Paris Saint-Germain, though. It makes a change from constantly being linked with cock. After that one Victor Orta story where he had a, a folder full of cock information and now they won't stop talking about... Cock dossier. Exactly. I hope his name is cock. I'm not confusing him with somebody else, am I? I think it was right. Yeah, so it's a it's a break from that. It all adds up, you know, PSG owned by QSI, out of contract, centre-back, well, we'll be missing Ben White. If I was going to uh, put together a nonsense headline just to get clicks from Leeds United supporters, this is exactly the story I would have come up with. Do we know if he's related to Bobo Balder, former Celtic player? One can hope. Let's just say he is. He was a centre-back as well, wasn't he? So he's probably learnt it all from his dad, who may not even be his dad. Might just have the same name. Leeds pull out of cock deal. That's all I've got. I've only got that far so far. I don't know how we incorporate Tierno Baldi, uh, but we'll move on anyway. We've also been linked with Adolfo Gaich. Gaich? Who's he? Is it pronounced Gooch? <laughs> God, it will be, won't it? Adolf Gooch. He sounds great. Um, I really like the, the video of him on YouTube. Looks amazing. He looks, um, not to give him too much hype, but I'd say he looks a bit like Harry Kane from watching him play in this, these clips. Kind of tall, but fairly quick still. Can finish, fairly skillful. Are we slightly concerned about um, an Argentinian of, His of German descent yes. whose name is Adolf? I mean, yeah, I, did I don't want to make light of this, but there was a, a an escape route for some people after World War II who felt that um, life in Europe was going to be difficult for them because they were Nazis. And um, and they went to Argentina. I, I mean, I don't know if the, the Gooch family had any involvement in, in anything they shouldn't, or where or where Adolf fits in. But he's, he's got quite a stern glare in the picture I've, I've seen here. Yeah, I suppose it'd be his great-granddad now, wouldn't it? We have to forgive and forget at some point, don't we? I mean, nothing to indicate that he's got those sympathies whatsoever. I mean, that's a complete fabrication so yeah we're, we're not implying anything about him just his family I mean what better way to get over all the the Kiko Kassir incidents of the season than to sign the son of a war criminal they've got the grandson of a war criminal anyway can he play football that's all that matters isn't it, this, in this day and age he definitely can he looks like a real unit he's sort of Matt Smith proportions almost in terms of his bulk but then he's skillful as well we do know though that if we sign 
big Kev. That's it for Bielsa. Two strikers. What, what more does he need? And then he can play Stuart Dallas if he has to. And Tyler Roberts, let's not forget. That was one of the details that came out of... Um, Phil did a piece on The Athletic about John Kevin Augustan. And in it, it was a quite, quite a detailed breakdown of his attributes, which we'll come on to shortly. But one of the details that did come out of that was that the club are intending to retain Bamford if we go up. So that's your, your front two to pick from in the Premier League. That was a given. I didn't need a report for that. I know that. I know that's what Bielsa is doing. I'd take Adolfo as well. And you keep ignoring Ryan Edmondson. Well, there is that. Is he back in training, Edmondson? I've not seen him on any of the clips. Or is he injured still? Not sure, but uh, he's 21 years old then. twenty. You say 21. So you, you would assume that's an under-23 player then rather than a first-team contender. He's a, he's a full Argentina international. Don't care. He's Adolfo. I mean, yeah, we, we, won't see, we won't see him for at least two years if he signed for us because he'd be have to do his murder ball sessions and go around that running track a minimum of 10,000 times. And we also have to assume that somebody at the particular website where we found this story hasn't just trolled um, transfer marked for Argentinian strikers and gone, Bielsa will sign him for Leeds if we if we make enough noise about it. Oh, look at his YouTube clip. Let's embed that in a story. I enjoyed watching it anyway. It's always nice to see a good footballer. On to Augustan then and that piece that Phil did in The Athletic with uh, the comparison between him and Bamford. It was interesting to see the stats on what they do in particular and in short, Bamford's good at launching the press and being crucial for turnovers and link-up play. Not great when it comes to the box, whereas Augustan is a bit more direct, likes to run, but not great at one-on-ones, which is strange for somebody who likes to uh, run with possession. But um, another interesting line was about a high-octane side like Red Bull Leipzig is not the same as fitting into Bielsa's structure. Leipzig, a couple of years back, they attacked with speed and liked to counter, and their intense press makes Leeds' look mild in comparison. Imagine what that must have looked like, because ours is insane. I am struggling to imagine how that would look, in fairness, because I think what we do now is up there with anything I've ever seen, including people at a higher level who've done it, people like Liverpool and Man City and Barcelona. I think the amount of miles we seem to put in seems to match that, admittedly, against a much lower quality of opposition. I mean, you see what we did to Arsenal in the FA Cup in that first half earlier on this season, which feels like a lifetime ago now. I mean, long and short of this Augustan bit is basically we can't wait to see him pick up the ball and run at whichever shithouse has replaced Richard Keogh. That's about the size of it. Although there was the speculation that Bielsa is going to coach that dribbling out of him because he's not actually that great at it. The um, the, the thing that struck me from this was that um, his goal and assist numbers when he was playing in Germany were on a par with Mbappe and Raheem Sterling. And that this is kind of the, the Victor Rosa's argument for finding him and, and signing him is that if you can get him back to that level, then he will be as good as Mbappe and Raheem Sterling combined probably if you like stood one of them on top of the other but he was still ran just as fast like a like a velociraptor then that's what you would you would get that's what you got to aim for isn't it i think so is, is you want all your players to be as good as if you took two of the world's best put them on each other's shoulders in a dinosaur suit it's what i took from phil hayes rigorous statistical breakdown of a uh, big Kev style of play anyway that and that his hair looks nice there's a good bit about his hair he's dyed it white looks good and we've got Tyler Roberts as well, who can play up towards the top end of the pitch. And we saw the Ask Tyro thing that the club did. And this is always good. This always gives us a nice insight into the players. We saw Bamford the other week. A bit of fun in there. What was your highlight? My favourite bit was when he said, they asked him what it'd be if he hadn't been a footballer. And he just said he'd have invented something. Try and make himself a billionaire. Which was which is hugely optimistic to think that you'd just be able to, if I wasn't doing all the training and stuff, I'd probably just come up with something brilliant. And not to be harsh to Tyler, but... I wouldn't necessarily back him to invent anything. The hubris of a young man, that one, isn't it? It's great. I'd have probably just done something else massively successful if I hadn't been a footballer. He has got his own distinctive way of thinking. I like that he's gone for the aesthetic decision of having T. Roberts on the back of his shirt instead of just Roberts. And apparently that is purely because he thinks it looks good and makes him stand out. And I like it. I'm on his side 100% with T. Roberts. I think it looks cool. I also like the bit where he said his mum was his biggest inspiration and he spoke quite nicely about her. So I think that's nice. I think that's maybe why him and Calvin are so tight together. He's got, they, got the, they just talk about who's got the best mum. The interesting bit for me was that he was never really a loyal supporter of a football club. He used to support Arsenal and Tottenham. His family supported Liverpool, so he never supported them. But how could you be so fair weather in terms of big clubs? Welcome to the Premier League in 
2020 and wait until you see what Leeds United's new fans are like next season when we're up, when we have loads of kids who are kind of like the modern version of what Michael was complaining about before, people who are Man United fans but never watched them play, but who they do actually watch them play now, but they switch because there's more of it on TV and so you can just go, oh, well, Arsenal have got a good team this season. I think I'm going to watch them and see if they can win the league. And you have people who they like players. So like Tyler says that his, his hero is Neymar and there was a lot of people who when Neymar moved from Barcelona to Paris Saint-Germain, been to Barcelona shirts, got Paris shirts because they like Neymar more than they like a team. And it's kind of as a old school, grew up in the 90s football fan, it's bewildering. I think there's a lot more of it about than uh, we maybe give credit for. I found it hard to accept from saying Neymar as well, because to my mind, Neymar himself is only about 21 years old. So it's impossible that he could have been looked up to by one of our players. I feel like a a player for Leeds United should still be saying that they want to be like Gary Lineker or Andy Sinton. Someone, a good solid mid-90s player is what they should be at the very late. Very inspired by Billy Wright. I don't want to go up anymore, now you've put it like that. Sounds like it's a really bad idea. Well, Well, Tyler Roberts does. He wants to be at the top of the Premier League in five years, so let's do that for him. If he's happy to do that with us, then I'm happy for him to play for I'm us. I'm prepared to give it a go. I'll say that. I am prepared to give it a go. And he will. I think I didn't mean to uh, ignore Tyler Roberts' claims for playing up front uh, before. I was just joking that Bielsa will play Stuart Dallas anywhere before he, he plays the actual player who is uh, supposed to play there. But I think Tyler Roberts will tear things up in the Premier League, as the kids say. And I think he'll be better than Neymar in five years. I think he's that good. I'm going to get T. Roberts on the back of my shirt, whichever club he's playing for by then. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. We'll be talking to Phil Hay in the second half of the week in our podcast with The Athletic. That's released on a Friday morning. And we're going to be chatting about the return to action. Now we have that date and plenty more, including what you've decided we should talk about via the poll on Phil's Twitter There's that big piece that we referred to earlier on Jean-Kevin Augustin and what he's dead good at. That's now live. Uh, You can also read about exactly why it is that Leeds don't want to go with points per game. And there's an interview with A.D. White in the pipeline too. And when you subscribe to The Athletic, you can read everything and listen to all the podcasts without ads. There's no surveys, pop-ups, 10-page galleries, no clickbait, just quality stories you're not going to find anywhere else. And you can still use our 50% off discount, theathletic.co.uk forward slash the square ball. In this bit of the podcast, we do heroes and villains. First, the Ken Bates Villainy Award for somebody who's made things a bit worse for us over the last seven days. And the first nomination has to go to somebody called Ken Bates, be it our Chelsea character who invaded our lives for a bit uh, during the 2000s, or one of the other ones, including Councilman Ken in Casper, Wyoming, in District 2 or whatever it's called, Ward 2, I can never remember. Uh, yeah, Ward 2, I think he is. Or something like, oh, I can't bloody remember. Anyways, ignoring us. I would have been able to check on the Facebook group, but like so many, my freedom of speech, my my constitutional rights have been eroded by this complete villain, um, and I've been booted off his Facebook page. But people are still doing the stalking for us, and we're still keeping a check on, I think it's called Oil City News, is the Wyoming thing, so we can see what he's up to. And at the moment, he's trying to reopen swimming pools. The bastard. Seems, but in typical Bates fashion. They're full of cyanide. People want to open it. 
need to charge them higher to swim. Put the prices up he's wanting. 20%. Stick that on your swimming pool. You want to swim? That's steep. Yeah, and it's not going to happen either. Essentially, everyone's come out and said, look, even if you put it up by 20%, people will still die, won't they? So maybe we shouldn't do it because of the old COVID and everything. I don't think a 20% price rise is going to scare off a virus. So uh, why don't we not bother? There is some exceptional Ken Batesian logic in the middle of this where, yes, they are a, a danger to health, but that like, his proposal is, if the people want it open, let's charge higher to swim. So it's almost like getting getting every penny out of them you can before they catch the deadly virus as part of the process. Why don't we sell quick cocaine? Do people want it here? I mean, it's going to be incredibly harmful to their health, but it's incredibly profitable. If you want premier pools, you've got to pay premier prices. It's the American dream, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, someone, a more sensible person, Bob, Councilman Bob Hoskins, he's called Hopkins, but I, I like to call him Bob Hoskins because... Uh, it's so close. He's tried to be kind, I think, here in, in dissing <laughs> Ken's idea. But he said, we would be one of the very few places in the world that would be opening That's, pools. For I don't remember Bob Hoskins talking like that when he, he used to do the adverts for BT. We'd be one of the very, it was Cockney, wasn't it? <laughs> very. One of the very few places in the world it would be opening posts to the public, he said. Before adding, um, he would like to see splash pads opened if possible. I mean, I don't know what that means, but they sound good too. Sounds like another one of those German underground clubs, doesn't it? Okay. Do we have any other uh, villain candidates then? Alan Shearer. Although I'm not sure if it's Alan Shearer who's the, the true villain here or Rude Hullet um, or Newcastle FC in general. But there was a story last week on... Uh, it's Sunderland, isn't it? It could be them that's the, the real villains. But I feel like Alan Shearer should cop the, the blame for most of this. Anyway, it turns out that when Rude Hullet was manager at, at Newcastle and there, were, there was all sorts of arguing going on, um, behind the scenes and Hullet dropped Shearer for a game against Sunderland and if Newcastle had won it would have been there that argument would have been settled in favour of Ruud Hullet and there was a tweet in a follow-up to this this story where George Corkins said that um, Hullet says he thinks he would have stayed Kieran Dyer says he thinks Alan Shearer would have joined Leeds and that's the kind of thought experiment that you know you'd ignore in most circumstances but then the actual prospect of Alan Shearer could have joined Leeds in the summer. This was when we'd sold Hasselbank that summer and signed Michael Britches. We'd (laughs) signed Michael too big for his britches. And then this Sunderland game in question was about a fortnight after we'd signed Darren Huckabee. Um, So it's that era that we're talking about, basically the run to the, to the, the Champions League when David Weatherall got us there at the end of the season. We weren't helped that year by Alan Shearer scoring four goals against us. And after um, this Sunderland game in question, he scored eight against us. And I feel like given his entire career, when he scored 22 against us, more than he scored against any other team, and he actually scored more goals than he played games against us in the Premier League era, Shearer, like we should never forget Alan Shearer's absolute villainy when it comes to playing against Leeds United. But now we have this this added scenario where he could have been playing up front for us and scoring all those goals for Leeds United and I always had this feeling that if we'd kept Hasselbank that season we might have won the league what if we'd not signed Darren Huckabee and we'd played up front either Michael Bridges Harry Kewell or Alan Smith with Alan Shearer because he was quite good at scoring goals Alan Shearer I don't know if the, the younger listeners will be aware of that he was really annoyingly good with Shearer. He was one of those players like you just because it was true. You just knew we would score against you, and he was, I think, probably is a bit underrated now because he's a lot of his goals are not the sort of thing that'd get on a compilation in the same way as some of Messi's would. But just absolutely relentlessly scoring, just twatting it in from sort of ten yards was what he did every single week. He has some good, good, spectacular ones in there as well, but just the sheer relentlessness of his goals and being in the right place at the right time and his overall play. He was he was such a bastard as well. He'd have befitted him nicely at Leeds, I think, because he was he could mix it. Let's just say that. I much. put this on Instagram years and years ago, but it's the one time Lucas Radaby, absolutely lovely fellow, calm, smiley, happy. The only player I can recall seeing him losing it with is Alan Shearer after Shearer smashed him in the face with an elbow. And even then, it's still Radaby is kind of, he gets up after being treated and he's holding his nose and he walks across and he just kind of, he jabs him on the chest saying, you know what you did. 
He's like, you don't, you need to stop doing that. I mean, if it had been Duncan Ferguson, Ferguson would have been dismantling Alan Shearer like a cheap Lego castle, but it's Radaby being mad, so it's still quite mild. But to get Radaby to that stage, you've got to be a prick. I would have been prepared to give that a go, Shearer to Leeds. That would have been an experiment worth buying into, I think. Just to see how badly we could Billy Painter him as well. Put him in the best Leeds team of a generation and he doesn't score a single goal. If there's one club that can do it, we're the club. Other nominations for villains. Tyler Roberts. In his Q&A, he was asked who was the better player between Bale and Pablo. And he said Bale. Well, he's wrong. He's wrong, isn't he? Yeah. It's something he needs. It's like the supporting Spurs and Arsenal thing. It's just something he needs better education on. I'm nominating the Premier League chief executive, uh, Richard Masters, because they've paid their parachute payments to the Football League and they've advanced a bit of the money for next season, which is basically an advance on it. Um, it's like a loan up front. It's still... It doesn't mean um, it's any extra money. Um, they, they won't talk about helping the Football League financially until the Premier League's finances are more secure. He says, I think what we've got to get ourselves into is a situation where we're sure of the Premier League's financial situation. A time when clubs in the Premier League are suffering significant revenue losses. Uh, we'll do that before we return to the topic of of helping anybody in the in the Football League. And meanwhile... Tottenham Hotspur are paying Harry Kane so much money that as we we nominated him for heroism previously, he can pay from his own pockets to keep Leighton Orient afloat. But uh, yeah, Richard Masters' priorities. Now, we've really, I mean, it's biting hard at Manchester City. Not sure they're going to be around next season. So we can worry about helping Macclesfield maybe, maybe next season if they're still around. But I've got to make sure that, you know, Liverpool and Man United get through this Arsenal Oh, you know, that stadium, there's a lot of empty seats in there. That's a big revenue loss and the billions that they get in sponsorship are only going to go so far, aren't they? So we'll get round to it later. Meanwhile, every fucking club in the Football League will go to the wall and we won't have to worry about promotion or relegation. This is what I imagine, this whole Premier League thing is what I imagine trying to get into the VIP area of a Las Vegas nightclub is like. You think you want it and you spend ages trying to get into it. Finally, you get to the velvet rope. They let you in. And when you get in there, you absolutely hate it because it's $300 for a bottle of bloody vodka or whatever. And you sit there being fucking miserable. That's what this reminds me of. I mean, there are good people there. We, we've touched on Harry Kane before and we've, we've mentioned as well, ad nauseum, the whole convoluted fuck over, which is the Premier League unable to conceive of sharing any money with the Football League unless it's absolutely forced and because they have to pay their players so much money. And then you have their players going, well, why don't I just give some money to Leighton Orient myself? Is is that easier? And so the whole circular nightmare of the thing is just ridiculous. But it doesn't help when the the people in charge just have this attitude of, well, you know, we'll worry about the Premier League first because, you know, if if Watford get into any financial difficulty, think think of the dozens of people who'll give a shit. Sorry, I always pick on Watford. I'm sure Elton John would be very upset. John Barnes would be um, unhappy too. Graham Taylor, Graham Taylor died, didn't he? Well, at least he won't be around to see it. We should also nominate two of our lower-level nemeses in this division who we've had a lot of fun at the expense of. Nathan Jones and Lee Johnson. Who wants to go first? First on, first on Jones. Well, we have to play him again, don't we now? We thought we'd seen the last of him, but he's, he's come back. He's gone crawling back to Luton. A resurrection? Sort of, yeah. It's, uh, well... It's less a resurrection and more a man going back to his wife after he's left them for the secretary, isn't it? He's like, I know it's a bit awkward, but we had a good thing, didn't we? Once, once, we've got the kids and stuff. Yeah, come back. We'll give it another go. We'll see how it goes. It never works, does it, our second time around? I don't know why he's doing this. The other one to nominate is uh, Lee Johnson, the uh, the distant speck on the horizon who is standing right next to you. He wants crowd noise which a lot of people seem to want crowd noise. I even saw talk of um, uh, there was somebody in Spain saying that TV companies might put CGI fans like a computer game in the background, which if that's the price of bringing football back, I say let's just close the game down. Too difficult, too complicated, too much of this shit. Let's not bother. But Lee says he would like crowd noise to, to come into games. He says um, uh, he thinks the crowd noise angle is interesting. Um, he'd seen it in South Korea. And it looked like it worked quite well if the timing was good. Now, I don't know if people remember we discussed a couple of weeks ago 
the football club in South Korea who were famous around the world because they filled their stands up with life-sized sex dolls wearing masks. That's the only footage I've actually seen of crowds from South Korea. And I don't imagine Lee Johnson seeking anything out that I haven't found. So I'm slightly concerned about what sort of noises he is wanting to hear from understands it at Ashton Gate, whether it's, well, I don't want it. <laughs> Nobody needs to hear it, least of all Lee Johnson. Hey, we got a, a tweet this week. Somebody tweeted us saying, do you think that the club could investigate uh, piping in fan noise? So basically you're sat here watching it, you know, on your computer or whatever, or you're watching it on Sky and then uh, you hook your computer up somehow to the club who then pipe it into the ground. Could you see a flaw in that plan when it comes to Leeds fans? Well, did you see the Danish team? I think it's AGF who they set up um, a kind of a Zoom call thing where you could you could register. You could basically buy a ticket in a virtual zone representing where you would normally sit in the stadium. So there was kind of getting people back together in groups they would they would normally have. And then they have a, a certain number of big screens in the stadium and they would they were putting these Zoom calls, the the grids of people onto the screens and playing them yelling and shouting and cheering through the speakers to the players. So you had um, however many people, all the, the noise piped through and they would throw, they would put like sequences one after the other because they couldn't fit them all down, but they'd get people up and they would see the see the fans. And there were there were only two people where they had to block their, their cameras because they were, I use the word gentlemen advisedly, exposing themselves. Uh, there was no mention of what songs were were being sung. I don't know if maybe the, the average Danish football supporter is, sings polite songs as they're, getting their knob out on camera in front of thousands of people. But um, I think that sort of thing is open to abuse. That's my view. But it also sounds quite fun. Yeah, and given that Sky TV routinely dipped the noise of our fans singing Sky TV is fucking shit, can you imagine Sky TV wanting to pipe in our fans through choice? They'd re-record it. They'll get somebody to record Ilkley Mobar Tat and play that over and say it's us. The Leeds fans in fine voice here. Can you hear the Northerners sing? What a bracing tune. We should also nominate Bayern Munich because it was the 45th anniversary, you know, of when we won the European Cup because we are and always will be the champions champions of Europe. That was last week. They didn't even acknowledge it on their website or socials, did they? They, they retweeted one tweet from the uh, UEFA's German account and that was it. Um, I say, why go to all the trouble of stealing it from us if they're not even going to flaunt it? It's almost like they know that it's not really theirs. It's a significant anniversary as well. The 45th anniversary is it's not one that, um, that you get every day. It's only five years or 50, and you would have thought they would, uh, they'd give it a mention. And, and they do uh, mention stuff they've been banging on about winning the treble in 2013 or something when I was looking on their website to see if they'd actually said anything about this. There's, there's stuff about that, and um, there's a big thing they, they call um, – oh, what's the – winger called who played for Chelsea and he's got a bald head and he's one of the most famous players in the world. Robin. Yeah, they call him, they go on about him scoring at Wembley. So they've got a big thing about the, uh, Mr. Wembley and the goal he scored. But nothing about uh, Franz Beckenbauer cheating his way to winning the European Cup. Well, not winning because we won it. They can have this award, I think, can't they? I'm just thinking about who's going to have it. Premier League, we'll get plenty of chances to jibe at them if and when we get there, but I mean, it's it's an anniversary. It's this week. It's Bayern Munich. Just give us the trophy back. Just do what's right. I'm happy enough with that. Yeah, take that star off your shirt and just bin it because we're not going to sew it on ours. Look weird. The Andy Hughes Hero Award for this week. Who's your nominations? Ben White, Stroke Brighton. He's sticking around, apparently. It's been confirmed by, um, well, by James James Marshman, who was getting the information from Jay Percy, who is a, J. Percy Telegraph, who is apparently a reputable person. So we, we're definitely getting to keep him, which is good, because it was always slightly in the back of my mind that Brighton might decide that they want him back for some reason, just so they can bring him on as their fifth sub. On that theme, we can give uh, Jean-Kevin Augustin a nomination for um, for being the first to hold his hand up and say that his huge wages can be deferred at Leeds during the coronavirus crisis, which, as we've seen, one of the players we were talking about at Charlton before is a, a player on loan from Birmingham, who's basically said it's not in his interest to to come back and play the rest of the season for, for Charlton, given whatever he's going on. And, and that situation must have been in the back of the mind of a player, in particular like Big Kev, who's barely played a first-team game before all this came. And then is is also trapped outside 
he's miles away from home. You know, you can't even go out and enjoy the the Yorkshire countryside that was probably sold to you as one of the fringe benefits of signing for Leeds United. And you've no idea if this loan move is going to work out, if the season will finish, if there's any way you'll even get to kick a ball for Leeds United, or will you have to sign for them with them going up on points per game? But for him to put the, the finances in and say, right, yep, yeah, I'll take the deferral along with everyone else, and then put the, the fitness effort in to get him to the, the point where he looks like he could be absolutely cracking for the remaining nine games is good. Some of the stuff when we signed him as well was questioning his attitude slightly as well, but from what he's done so far, you really can't quibble about a single thing of it. He's done more than he has. There is the, the question that remains that Phil Hay touches on in the article we were speaking about before, where if this player, um, when he was at his best, is performing as well as Mbappe and Raheem Sterling, why is he in the championship signing for Leeds? But everything he's done since he's come here makes him look like a player who can get to whatever level he wants. And we're all absolutely willing him to become a hero. There's no two ways about that. He's a cult hero in waiting. We've only got two strikers, so we need one of them to be good. Now, that's not fair because Patrick Bamford has been using his platform for good this week. And obviously, you know, what's going on in America at the minute is all slightly terrifying. And I'm sure we'll be accused of your virtue signaling. But no, it's pretty horrendous. Don't like to see it. At least Bamford has been brave enough to stick his head above the parapet in this day and age. And not only that, but um, following up on it as well. So he, he tweeted about um, things going on in America and was told by one person in particular who replied to, no, by no means the other one basically saying, you know, stick to football, Paddy, and get the politics out of football. And Mr. Bamford, who is not a, a man of uh, without means, who when he, he looks out of his, his window at his, his land... Um, and curses the moles, he could be quite justified in deciding that his uh, his life is is easy enough and, and secure enough for him not to worry about what's going on to other people on the other side of the world. But as he pointed out, it is a human rights issue and that uh, you can talk about, I mean, this is me talking, not Bamford talking, but you can talk about keeping politics out of football because nobody wants to to have their enjoyment of, of life and games spoiled by hearing about terrible things when they're trying to enjoy sport. But then I don't think that uh, George Floyd was particularly looking to spend um, the last eight minutes of his life with a policeman's knee on his neck when he, he left the house that morning as a as an innocent man. And for as long as that kind of thing is going on, as much as it is, I think people are well within their rights to keep asking why that continues to happen, even if it is not directly affecting them. And what people often mean when they say they want to keep politics out of football is, I don't agree with you. Yeah, it's fine for a football fan to have the opinion, but not a football player. <laughs> That's the difference. I don't want you tweeting something I don't agree with, so please stop it, is what it sometimes means. Patrick is not the only Leeds player to have tweeted about it. Tyler Roberts has um, tweeted about it as well, and it's probably somebody who is, uh, although he's, he's miles away from the, the issue as well, it's hard to imagine that he's not looked at the the footage of uh, George Floyd being murdered and not thought, well, that guy looks like me. And if I went to America, what's to stop that from happening to me? And why does it keep happening to people who are like me? And as I say, those questions and the the anger that's being expressed on the streets of America at the moment, because nobody's given any answers when the questions are asked civilly. I think people have got, um, have reached the end of, Patience. It's not unreasonable for footballers to share their opinions on their platform about that because it's important. More important than scoring goals in games of football, I would think, by and large. Thank God we've got people like Gianni Alioski to lighten the mood a little bit. Eh? Just stick him on the motorbike. Hopefully that'll make us all smile a little bit more with the state of the world. Uh, Ryan, who's your hero? Let's give it big Kev. Yeah, why not? In all seriousness, this has been a tough couple of months for everyone. So to have done those couple of months pretty much by yourself in a new country when your job is to run around and you're not able to do that. Must be bloody hard. I'm sure. And I mean, I know he's, I know he's got the, the cushion of wealth to go with it and stuff, but even so, it can't have been easy for him. So for him to show enthusiasm and to looking like he's raring to go, good on him. I would like, if it can be done um, socially distant, to get our friend, the translator from Chesterfield, back up and do another press conference with Big Kev and let's see how it's been. Uh, for him, I want to hear about, um, I think we said the other week, we want to hear from B. 
Bielsa. It would be nice if Marcelo Bielsa could maybe talk about what it's been like so far away from Argentina and his family as well. But with them, at least he's kind of had a a very long career playing in, uh, I mean, even moving from one part of Argentina to another is a, is a trek. Um, So he's, he's, he's got some miles in the tank and some years of experience to build up to it. But yeah, I'd like to hear from big Kevin. He'd probably be glad to have somebody to talk to, to be honest. Right, well done, Big Kev, then, and we look forward to you banging us uh, in the goals that take us up to the Premier League, which we don't want to be in. That wraps it up then for this week. Check out the Extra Ball Championship Manager podcast, and of course, with Father's Day looming, get on the new merchandise. Those new mugs uh, will be restocked this week with some coasters as well there for you to rest your mug on. Uh, Leeds Fighter mugs as well. Don't forget those, the second batch of those with Click et al. on at thesquareball.net. We'll speak to you next week. Thanks for listening. See you in a bit. Bye-bye. The Square Ball Podcast. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.